Hey there, Global Citizens. Welcome back to the Global Talks, your podcast dedicated to uncovering the joys and challenges of Global Citizens. I am your host, Shazadi Campus, and today we have two special guests with us to talk about the allure of Portugal for families. First up is Chicha Stern, the head of the Martignol Family Hotel Concept in Portugal and the founder of the international school, United Lisbon. She's an expert in creating family-friendly environments and has first-hand experience in moving to Portugal. Also joining us is Patricia Casaburi, Managing Director of Global Citizen Solutions. It's a consultancy firm specialized in investment migration and relocation services. And she's also the Managing Director of Goldcrest Real Estate, a buyer's agency located in Portugal. So today we will be exploring Portugal for families, whilst delving into the challenges and the benefits of moving, leaving, and raising a family in this beautiful country. So welcome, Chitra and Patricia. Great to have you here. Thank you so much. How Thank are you doing today? Me. Yeah, very well. Also great. Fantastic. <laughs> Portugal is a great country. Good. Weather is good today. Yeah. As it is most of the time. Yes. Very pleasant, mild um, plenty of sunshine. So yeah, all the good things for family. Um, and I thought before we start talking about, um, you know, cause we want to hear all about your, your experiences as a business woman here, but as well as your, your, also the challenges in, um, moving, um, on your own or with a family and, um, and you know, that really good tip that you could share with our viewers. But before that, I think, it would be good to share some stats. So there are lots of expats in Portugal, as you know. Some people like to call it expats or migrants, but they are foreigners. Um, an interesting uh, look at the census of uh, 2021 and the number of foreign residents in Portugal increased by 40% in 10 years. So that was between the 2011 and 2021 census amounting to over 550,000 people. This is data from the Foreign Borders Office, which is called um, the acronym is CEP uh, in Portuguese. Um, and the growth of, um, of the foreign population residing in Portugal, it just um, confirmed the trend of, uh, of this country as a welcoming place to um, international uh, citizens that want to start a life or want to carry on with their life or invest and perhaps move here in the future. Um, I'm going to ask your opinion about all of that, but I want to give more stats because they're very interesting here. So um, the Algarve and the metropolitan, Lisbon metropolitan area have the highest proportion of foreign citizens. Anyway, so in 2011, it was 11.6% in the Algarve and 7.2% in Lisbon. In 2021, 14.7% in the Algarve and 8.9% uh, in Lisbon. Um, and the Martignol Hotel in the Algarve, so I want you uh, to tell us more about it. Um, but between the two censuses of 2011-2021, the native population of Portugal decreased by 2.1%. So the, if it had not been for the country's foreign population, this decrease would have been even more severe. 
So um, what do you think? Do you think the statistics really highlight uh, Portugal welcoming um, oriented uh, destination for families here? Yes. Um, so, I mean, uh, uh, my husband and I actually moved to Portugal in 2001. So we've been here um, 22 years. So we've really seen uh, the evolution of, you know, some of the stuff that you're talking about. Um, and I would say that um, it's certainly a very family-friendly country, but it's friendly to people in general. You know, I, um, I am originally from Singapore uh, of Indian um, heritage yeah. and uh, moved to London um, in 1989, met a Swiss gentleman at work and, you know, got married to him. Uh, he's from Zurich, Roman. And we moved to Portugal in 2001 and started a business and a family. We've had four kids here since um, um, and started, you know, a couple of different businesses. And I would say that um, uh, it's it's one of the most uh, open, tolerant, liberal societies, you know, I've ever seen. And uh, people are generally welcoming of foreigners, people from different backgrounds and different um, beliefs. Um, so this is definitely one of the reasons. I mean, there's a whole host of other reasons. You know, I even did a TEDx talk on this, why Portugal is trending a few years ago. And it's really, um, uh, there, there's several other factors, the weather, um, you know, uh, it's location, geographical location, you know, between the Americas and, um, the Middle East, um, easy access, um, you know, through uh, Lisbon, Faro and Porto airports, the airports have access to various countries. Um, etc. I mean, there's a you know whole host of different uh, programs that Portugal introduced as well, uh, which put Portugal on the map or helped put Portugal on the map for tourism. Even you know the investment that went into uh, promoting the golden visa uh, in in other countries and um, you know uh, the, the non-habitual residence program. This brought uh, more visitors to Portugal. I think it really helped increase the awareness of Portugal. In addition to all the good work that Turismo de Portugal, the tourism authorities have done. Um, but the bottom line, you know, I always end with with the story of why people are moving to Portugal and whether Portugal is friendly to foreigners. Um, yes, you know, it's it's not just the environment, it's not just the infrastructure, uh, geographical location, but the people are really welcoming, and that makes a huge difference uh, because I say we are not robots, uh, but we're humans, so we. You know, we need to uh, uh, be happy in the place where we invest. Definitely. And, and then, Chitra, you said you moved here in 2001. Yes. So that was 10 years before the census of 2011. Yes. So you basically saw the shift. Huge happening, shift. Happening, yeah? Yes. And I, I would say, I mean, I haven't looked at the 2001 census, uh, but after we this need meeting, uh, I'm going to look yeah. at it. Um, to see, you know, uh, to, to look at what shifts have happened in that decade. Um, so, yes, I've seen a huge transformation um, in the number of um, other people, uh, you know, foreigners living in, in Portugal. I mean, obviously, in the Algarve, which is where we first moved to, um, um, you know, there were many British people already who knew of the Algarve and yeah. had moved to the Algarve. Um, then the Irish, you know, with the Oceanico, developments. They were a real estate developer. Um, they really did a lot of PR for um, uh, in, in Ireland. Um, 
for the real estate sales and, you know, uh, Ryanair uh, yeah. made um, Portugal one of its um, hubs. So uh, tremendous uh, shift, ha uh, tremendous shifts happened in the last 20, uh, 20 years, um, certainly. But between 01 and 11, you might Is find that, that the shift was, I mean, maybe even bigger. You Definitely, know? yeah. Um, After the visa came in 2012. The end of 2012, exactly. Yeah. Um, and bearing in mind that the global financial crisis happened between 2008 um, mm -hmm. and really, I mean, by the time Portugal was coming out of it, it was 2014-15. So, you know, 2011's figures um, might have, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how it affected. It would be interesting to see 2001-11 and 2021. Yeah, but definitely. Okay, so then you mentioned um, London, and I believe Patricia also um, had a similar trajectory, but came from the other side of the world, Brazil, and then London for a while, and and then Portugal. So do you want to share with us a bit about your, um, how did you end up here? Yeah, sure. Wow. Uh, different, motive, different moves, completely different outset and and you know how we went about that um i moved to london in 2001 as well <laughs> early 2001 um to study and had really good friends living there always had the european connection and thought why not um i had already been to london a couple of times before and i remember the first time i went to london i said one day i'm gonna live here and i was very young at the time so it was yeah it felt like a huge accomplishment and um it was definitely um a really great experience we were there for 20 years um in this 20 years we saw something in london that i think it mirrors very much so what we are seeing uh, in Portugal now, um, because obviously the UK has this, it was always established place for tourism between London and maybe Liverpool, I guess, or Scotland, you know, people were very familiar of going to the UK to visit. Um, but I think the kind of, and also traditionally, uh, the UK always had migrants from the Commonwealth countries but we saw around the end of the 90s, early 2000s, there was like a boom of, you know, foreigners from all over the world um, coming to London. And and it's changed. Even like, obviously now London is one of the biggest kind of uh, culinary cities uh, in the world. But it, it wasn't like that. Even in, you know, the early 2000s, the same thing. And we've seen, we've seen the good and the bad. Um, the real estate market, that completely, you know, boomed in London over the years. When I moved there, like hindsight is a you know, wonderful thing. You could, you know, buy apartments in Homestead for like, you know, eighty thousand. And so and if you think about it, we're talking like twenty years. So a lot has happened in in this time frame. Um so London has given me a lot of opportunities, you know, met my husband, had my child there, started a company, I worked in different industries before. Um and then so the decision to come to Portugal was very different when I moved to London. It was very well structured, very uh planned. You know, we started investing in Portugal beforehand. Um, we already had some friends here, 
But even from like when we started investing here, which was maybe 2014, 15, to us moving here in 2019, um, the whole ecosystem has been changing so much, so rapidly. And and like just to pick it up on, I don't have enough data on the census, so it's, it's more uh, of a feeling. But what we see here is like in the you know number of different restaurants and cuisines that you can you know access now or. Lisbon is a, a naturally beautiful city, um, as the, the geography in the Algarve, or even Porto is stunning. Um, and the sky here, something, the light in Lisbon is one of the most special in the world, that I, yeah, at least that I've been to. Um, but it was, you know, despite that, it was a rundown city, whereas now you, you walk around everywhere in Portugal and, and it's thriving you know um obviously with that it always comes the good and the bad um but overall i think it's uh, amazing it's uh and it's like Chitro was saying it's a very welcoming place and but we definitely see this uh and and the foreigners do mingle the people that are coming here and um, they want to get involved so it's not just um, the peer investment, even the clients that we have that at the moment they're doing a financial investment. Um, most of them, I would say in our case, maybe 95% of our clients, if they cannot move right now, um, the intention is to one day to be able to spend real time here. And obviously this is super beneficial yeah. um, because you do manage to kind of fully integrate and 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 also have a positive impact on the economy or, you know, people spending, which is different um, than when you have tourists. So it's, of course, for, yes. For the economy, yeah. the relation is different. And for the longevity, uh, it's sustainability um, of all of it. So, I, yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point because um, recently we've done a couple of uh, lives about international schools in Portugal. You want stats, so I'll give you a give one. So there are um, um, basically on our guide, international school guide, we have 51 schools in Portugal, international, but there are more schools. It was just that we had more, we were very, um, the criteria was that the diploma, the certificate would be, um, uh, it's not only teaching in English or another language, but would have an international certificate. Anyway, so there are actually over 60 uh, international schools all over the, the country and the islands. But when we did this lives, what we realized is that um, when we spoke to headmasters and parents as well, um, they all wanted to be part of the community. So they chose a school that helps them to integrate in the local community. They didn't want to be that sort of expat that just mingled with the group of Brits or the group of Americans or the French. They wanted to learn about the culture. They want to learn the language. They want to be part of the community. So, yeah, that's a very good point when you say that your clients also, when it comes to Global Citizen Solutions, they want to uh, be part of, uh, of it and uh, bring benefits also oh, to the country. Yeah, and I would say even in the international schools, I mean, <clears throat> we founded an international school that opened um, three years ago in September 2020. And 20% um, of our school is Portuguese, um, you know, 80% international. So I think um, having no, you know, uh, uh, gotten to know some of the international schools in the Algarve uh, as well as in Lisbon, I would say this is 
um, the case in other international schools too. There's always a good mix of um, um, students, nationalities, cultures. We've got over 51 nationalities represented in our school yeah. community, which is amazing. And <clears throat> Portugal actually makes it quite easy, um, I think. Um, it's a small country, mm -hmm. you know, a small um, city. Lisbon is a small city. I, I always say it, it fits the Goldilocks principle, you know, it's just right. It's yeah. not too big. It's not too small. It's just right. It's a modern European city and yet authentic um, in, in nature. As so Patricia was saying earlier, it's a um, um, uh, you know beautiful city, authentic city. But it's true. Just to touch upon that, <clears throat> what you said earlier. Um, you know, we'll come back to how what you're saying that it was very run down and actually without the. Uh, investments that came in through the foreign direct investment. I was actually um, on the foreign direct investment task force that the government set up, the Portuguese prime minister set up um, for three years between 2017 and 2020. And the objective was to bring even more foreign direct investment into the country because we're very aware here um, in, in Portugal, I think, of the impact of investment. I mean, first of all, Every Portuguese person knows what fundos comunitarios are, you mm -hmm. know, the um, EU structural funds that went into boosting the economy in big ways through infrastructure funds and <clears throat> social development funds. But the FDI, the foreign direct investment that comes in through investment uh, of real estate or um, in companies is very much valued. And specifically in Lisbon, we saw the transformation of Baixa uh, Chiado, Baixa Alto, Principal, Fosio. All these areas which were totally run down and not just run down due to a lack of paint. I mean, there weren't people living yeah. in this area at all. The number of registered local residents was <clears throat> only, um, you know, in the tens, if I'm not mistaken, um, because, you know, um, uh, buildings were totally run down and uninhabitable. Um, so the, the uh, investment that's come through is, is truly, I mean, it helped create part of the success of tourism for Lisbon today, I would say. So yeah. that's, you know, very much valued. A apologies for going no, back no, to no, that. No, 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 comment on that. Point. And it's true. It, and jobs creations and new businesses, well, because, you know, when you have buildings sitting empty, it's very hard to, to have a retail, uh, you know, uh, retail in, um, setting. So, now you have, if you open, you know, a bakery or a, a little boutique, you do have people to come and, and, and spend. So it's all very correlated. Um, obviously now undergoing, a, there's a lot of open discussions because, you know, with the foreign investment coming in, um, the paradigm changes as well. We're managing to keep the authenticity of the city um, because... They are also very proud and have a very good a good senses of, you know, the heritage that they want to maintain. So the rehabilitation, the renovations are done really well and, and all the facades uh, are kept and the public museums and not, a lot of new museums as well coming up that have been completely restored to their former glories. There's more, uh, a bigger art scene. So it's, it's all very positive. And most importantly, um, I think it's been done, um, you know, in the course because it really started in maybe '98 with the funds from European with with the expo coming here yeah. and Pablo so Yeah, so 1986, um, 
uh, Portugal joined the EU. And of course, the uh, infrastructure funds <clears throat> took a bit longer to come in. But 1998, um, in 89, they decided that um, to propose Lisbon as a, as a destination for uh, the World Expo and to completely regenerate um, this particular area of Lisbon was, uh, which was, you know, <clears throat> uh, really, really in a bad state um, for the Expo 98. And indeed, um, the European Union funds came in to help build the Vasco da Gama Bridge, 17-kilometer um, bridge across the River Tejo, um, as well as uh, regenerate the whole of Parque das Açores, uh, Park of Nations, yeah. or Expo, as the Portuguese call it, on the eastern side of Lisbon. Mm -hmm. And it's a truly a, a global example of what can be done uh, with uh, an expo site, a world expo site. It's truly a successful uh, urban regeneration yeah. project. Um, so, yes, I mean... And that's where you have the school as well. The that's the area we have, yeah. the International yeah. School, and uh, our latest Martignal, actually. We have four Martignal hotels and resorts in Portugal. Um, and, uh, you know, one of them is in the practice of the area yeah. and just opened it. Um, and the school, yes, it opened in September 2020, the United Lisbon International School. It's a beautiful area. And I think the regeneration that was done there was done very cleverly because it's not, um, you know, there's a stark contrast between the old areas of Lisbon and uh, even the new wish with, uh, you know, like the Azul, the Belém with all the trees yeah, and that's all wish, the green. Yeah. <laughs> But then you have Parque de Nações, which a is... A new Lisbon. New, a new, new Lisbon, Lisbon, a bit like, uh, I don't know, there's some areas, it reminds me about Miami, a bit of a Paddington area in London. Actually, yes. generation there as well. King's Cross in London. But it yeah. kind of blends itself really well with the rest of the town. It does. Actually, I mean, I often compare it to sort of the Canary Wharf of Lisbon, but it's right in the heart of town. Uh, you could say Paddington, for sure, King's Cross area, huge regeneration project successful. It's on a smaller scale here. Um, um, Battery City Park, uh, you know, in, in New York. Uh, but again, I mean, Lisbon has a particular combination of factors that make it so interesting because you know, the airport is very close by to the city, yes, Yeah. you know, um, or in the city, I should say, actually. Um, and um, uh, we're at the river all all around Lisbon yeah. because, you know, if you look at the rectangular shape of Lisbon, you've got the river Tejo, the Tagus River, going all the way around it. And um, so, uh, you know, it's beautiful. And the riverside location of Praxis de Soares is, is an amazing uh, new part of Lisbon. I mean, I love it because it's the perfect perfect 15-minute city. I've been, you know, I, I get to walk everywhere, Yeah. you know. Um, there's a, a fantastic uh, private hospital. There's a chain of um, three uh, chains of private hospitals, successful private hospitals in, in Portugal. One of them is CUF, C-U-F. Mm -hmm. And there's a great CUF uh, uh, hospital in Praxis and Soix in Park of Nations uh, and other locations in, in Lisbon. There is the Hospitais Particulado Algarve, HPA, uh, which is the Algarve. It started in the Algarve uh, with a Madeirense doctor entrepreneur. And um, they're prim primarily with their clinics and hospitals mm -hmm. in the Algarve, but they've opened one in Madeira as well. And there's Joaquin Chavez, Saúd yes. um, as well. But um, there's a Kuf in Practice de Soyuz. It's literally, uh, you know, a five to ten minute walk from where I live, which is in the Martignal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Parque de Soares, <laughs> Martinel Orient, as it's called, Martinel Lisbon Orient. 
um, fantastic uh, shopping center, but also lots of small shops yeah. and restaurants. And there's a casino uh, there. Um, there's um, Altice Arena is there, where which is the main concert venue uh, in, in, in Lisbon, or the largest. It's also where Web Summit happens, Feira Internacional de Lisboa. You know, it's the equivalent of the Javits uh, Conference Center here, um, or the O2 in, yeah, in, yeah. in London. So um, very well thought through and, and, and executed. Yeah. I mean, I should say it wasn't just an idea on a piece of paper. So, you know, kudos to the Portuguese government yeah. and successive Portuguese governments for seeing yeah. that through. Definitely. That's why you chose that place. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'm originally Singaporean, mm-hmm. you know, and a Londoner. I was I'm a Brit. Say it's yeah. A little bit. I have a little yeah. bit of Singapore about <laughs> Singapore too. and a Londoner, you know, as well. Twelve years in London and a Brit, um, uh, and I'm Swiss uh, through marriage as well yeah. now. So this uh, sort of the organization of what has happened there is really very interesting. Yeah. yeah there's Pedest- pure pedestrianized areas and semi-pedestrianized and then different um, roads to handle the different levels mm-hmm. of traffic and yeah, the, the look, it's got a fantastic um, the Gare d'Orient so public transport is excellent yeah. uh, because it's a, a bus station as well as underground station and train station um, it's close to all the circular roads and the highways to connect north to south as well as around Lisbon so no I love it I, you know I love organization and I love um, when <clears throat> good urban planning comes through comes, I mean yeah. quite honestly yeah. it's uh, it's really great yeah. but it's but, also quite refreshing that they haven't stopped um, uh, Espo Parte das Nações because it's been extended so they just revitalize the the river along Madvila and the area there there's a new project yeah. so it's extend- getting a little bit more in house and a little bit Inward as well, so there's a lot of old warehouses at Beat, and so this whole city is very exciting to be here. Like yeah, we are both not from it here, is, and then, but you just feel it's quite uh, tangible, I guess. Uh, the yes. change and and the investments. I so. think you also mentioned. I'm sorry, I just need to steer now a bit the conversation because uh, this is really exciting, and you, you have a lot to say. So you mentioned healthcare, which is something very important. I don't want to miss on that um, because it's good for families. Uh, yes. And it, it tends to be one of their main concerns, especially when they come from the U.S. Um, so, Patricia, do you want to talk about the uh, healthcare system in Portugal? Because uh, it's a private one, but there's also a public service. So do you want to give a basic explanation before? Sorry, I just realized. This podcast we film, but we also have the recorded version that goes on Spotify. So some of our listeners that are not seeing us might be wondering, what was the sound of water? Uh, you know, throwing through. Uh, that was me uh, giving some water to Chitra. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just to explain why out of the blue, there was a kind of a bit of a meditation background <laughs> going on. Uh, but yeah, so healthcare, Patricia. Okay, I would say um, the system here, like most, so most people, um, when they're looking to relocate, depending on what stage in life they are, um, they'll have slightly different concerns. Families will likely look at school first and then decide where they're going to live and, and where to live if you, you know, have all the time in the world. But like a common thread, no matter like if you are like a digital nomad or, you know, retiree or 
planning to have babies or whatever, it's looking at the healthcare. It doesn't matter which nationality you are. Um, obviously, Americans are always in for a very pleasant surprise because the kind of premiums that you pay in, in private insurance here have absolutely no comparison. So I would say uh, Portugal, much like the UK, have a very uh, sturdy national health system, uh, equally um, overly uh, subscribed, I guess, or there's a lot of pressure, right, for, yeah. for public services. So anyone that comes to Portugal on a resident visa of, of some sort will have fully full access to uh, uh, the national uh, health system um, as they would, you know, to public, to schooling as well and other. So they can have the same rights as a Portuguese person apart from voting, essentially. So I think this is really important because a very um, broad and welcoming country, which just goes on to, to, to reinforce everything that we have been saying. So what I would say is, some of the visas pending, like I obviously I have a little bit of the immigration uh, mind always after <laughs> everything I'm talking about. So when you're looking for immigration setting, pending on the visa, you do require to have health insurance. But once you're full-time resident here, then you can switch and you would need one. What I would say is, um, historically as well, much like the UK, you get the same quality of doctors in the kind of um, national services you do in private practices. Uh, a lot of them do both. So they would work for like a state hospital as they would in, in for a private one. Um, the main difference um, I would say and the advantage of having private health insurance um, is to do when, when you need a consultant or if you want to see a specialist fairly quickly and that kind of, you know, just do a test. Because otherwise, obviously, if it's an emergency, that's what most people say. Like if you have a, a, a small child and, you know, they fall, you, you most likely, if you take them to the yeah, because they never get sick during the day, right? It's always in the middle of the night at the yeah. weekend or Weekends. something like that. You will be seen and you will get good service. But if you just, you know, want to do a regular pediatrician check or something, um, it is a lot harder to get like the family a doctor to, to kind of port it appointed towards a consultant's appointment. Yeah. So in that sense, it's really good. Um, there's a, a range of, you know, healthcare plans um, that you can have like co-participation, I think they call it, that yeah. you have kind of heavily subsidized by the private insurance. Sometimes you have fully COVID for the insurance. And there's providers that are truly international providers that um, a lot of the families will be um, already uh, familiar with, like, I don't know, Cigna and some of the, the big ones um, that especially if you're not living here full time, then you might want to like have like a global uh, healthcare, and, and this tend to come with a higher price tag. But if you're looking for like local solutions. Some of the hospital groups um, that Chitra was mentioning, they have their own insurances. They have their own insurances, okay. Um, most of the banks will have solutions as well that yeah. they offer. And you'll be looking, obviously, it's a little bit um, age-driven, the kind of the premiums you'll be paying. But for like a, like a family with small children, you'll probably be looking, let's say, a family of four, something like less than 200 euros a month for yeah. You know, I was going to uh, ask a, a you the 90 on prices. Kind of That's a good. health insurance. Mm -hmm. 
Um, there's a number of not good services now um, for... Um, We've just met recently this uh, firm that was referred by one of our clients, actually, and they have a very sharp service uh, with everyone that works there, uh, their health practitioners, international health practitioners, either American or Brit or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they will do all these screening calls um, and then they will arrange an appointment with a doctor that speaks English and will be already fully aware with your case. So it's a fully, like, it's a very well-developed and affordable um, healthcare. And obviously, you could rely, like I said, especially for emergencies on the national health system, but even for vaccinations and things, it's a very well-oiled uh, machine. So we've got friends that had babies here and they had it, um, didn't have it private and had a good experience. Yeah, but I, I would say, you know, it's so affordable that it's probably just, yeah. it's, it's definitely yeah. worth it. But there's an, a lot of solutions. And I think yeah. you guys are putting together healthcare guides. Yes, it's um, coming out in July. It's available freely to, with basically all this information that you just said, but also telephone numbers and uh, websites. And yes, so certainly. Yeah. It should be, oh, in there, it's coming out in July, I think, and... Um, but yeah, the idea is just to, to provide the information so people can make, the, you know, they feel equipped to make decisions, I yeah. guess. Yeah. I, I would totally agree with um, everything you've said, Patricia. So I was one of those kids. I mean, I had three of my kids privately, but one of them in a uh, public hospital in, in uh, Barlavento in Portimao, actually, in the Algarve. Oh. <laughs> There's a story uh, in Arizona. There's a story there, absolutely. <laughs> and everything went absolutely fine. Um, and that was in the first decade uh, that was that a first, yeah. yeah exactly when I was having kids and um private healthcare you know I, I I have the case study of even bringing my parents um here and um getting them private healthcare um uh here and you actually <clears throat> compared to so many other places it's so much more affordable because it's managed healthcare in Portugal that's one of the things um you know uh, for the Americans to understand is because it's managed healthcare, the insurance premiums and the um, consultations, um, uh, or even just going into the uh, hospital for um, you know anything, is much more affordable than yeah. than back home in the U.S. Um, and that's a you know very important thing for the Americans to understand. And in uh, in you know even with cases where you know for whatever reason, if you haven't had uh, if you've got pre-existing conditions and you haven't um, um, had insurance before, you can actually still get a quote and, and you know, get cover, which is amazing here. Yeah. And I would give the advice, definitely. I mean, I look forward to seeing your um, uh, healthcare guide. Um, contact, you know, a couple of brokers as well to mm -hmm. get different um, quotes and then go with the one that suits you, uh, you know, choose uh, uh, something that covers the hospitals close to where you're living, where you yeah. decided to live. Uh, that's a good tip, yeah. And sorry, there's also lots of clinics, you know, there's lots of clinics as well, private, private clinics, clinics yeah. where it's the first um, level of care um, here in Portugal. You have, you know, you have the family doctor in um, in the public system, of course, Medicina, uh, you know, sorry, Medicina, uh, Dr. de Familia, or... No, yeah, med medical de familia, medical de familia, the shulpa, 
medical de familia. Um, Austrian medicine, family medicine was my mind. So you have the medical de familia in the public system, but you also, in you know, you'll have your sort of private clinician, you know, either internist or, um, you know, family doctor. Uh, so there's a whole range of clinics as well. It's not just the private hospitals. And a lot of the times now, since COVID, you can talk to your private physician online, online yeah. which is amazing. I've been using thing. a lot of yeah. online medicine. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it works yeah. really well. You, you do a quick Zoom. And yeah. so for like, you know, minor, yeah. minor things. So this is something that is become fully developed. Thank uh, you for that urinary tract infection. You just <laughs> get it all sorted on the phone and get the antibiotics bill. And yeah. Um, so we talked about healthcare and with touched um, schools as well. But it would be good to know because we were talking about the benefits of uh, and you know how this country is very family oriented and so on and all the benefits that the society brings to uh, the foreigner here. We even talk about uh, um, the urban landscape. Uh, let's touch on the challenges. What are the challenges that families could encounter here when they decide to move to Portugal? So I'd just like to say, I mean, what people might think are typical challenges aren't challenges here. English is widely spoken. I mean, for the, for the mm -hmm. Americans, you know, um, uh, what I found that people... Uh, here actually make an effort, you know, even if yes, they don't speak English they do. well, they make a huge effort to uh, make foreigners feel uh, uh, welcome. Um, and, you know, the other typical challenges of getting around, you've got great guides, especially, you know, I came here 22 years ago, but since then you've got a lot of interesting information online that uh, helps you do your due diligence. So mm -hmm. the challenges are reduced. Um, so I would say, a challenge that still exists is uh, some of the other things that you might think are quite easy. You know, you have to dedicate a bit more time to. Okay. Um, is that the bureaucracy? Bureaucracy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you want to open a bank account, I mean, you need to have some some things ready. I'm yeah. sure you have some guides on that. But, you know, um, here in Portugal, you don't exist unless you get your tax number sorted out first. Yeah. <laughs> so get your tax number sorted out with the help of your lawyer or, you know, um, relocation agent, real estate agent, whoever it is, everyone's awfully helpful. So um, it's an English expression. I then realized later, awfully helpful sounds, but yeah, 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 yeah. very yeah. helpful. <laughs> so, um, uh, and then, you know, just uh, make sure that you have everything ready to open your, uh, get your bank account opened. Obviously you need a bank account if you're going to, uh, you know, buy a property. So usually all that stuff gets sorted out um, if you're buying a property. But if you're moving here, you might need to make sure uh, without a property, you know, you might need to uh, 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 sort of get some yeah. special attention for those yeah. those things to get those sorted out. Um, other challenges, Patricia, I'll let you talk and then I'll think about some of the other challenges. Yeah, no, I think it's pretty much in line to, to what you were saying is little things once you settled, like, you know, switching your driver's license, that causes a lot of anxiety. <laughs> Um, you know, and but Portugal has a uh, one of our partners. He says the bureaucracy mall. Large as the citadel. Then you go there. Great. Yeah. You go there and you get a little number, and you could probably sort it, uh, get it sorted in one day. 
but yeah, these are these sort of things that, that I I would guess um, take a bit longer, don't, don't you find? I mean, yeah, I sometimes think you can't resolve it in the first trip unless trip you enough, have yeah. a little bit of help. <laughs> so I, I think um, that's the only thing to say. But you will get it sorted uh, eventually because people will help you through. I mean, it, it, you know, buying buying a property uh, as well. You know, the paperwork. I think one of the things is the culture. This is what I found. You know. Um, People, um, uh, because they're used to it, but they're not giving you a, a, a checklist yeah. of things to say. These are the things you need to bring. Sometimes it's, oh, there's one more thing, you know, and this, it's sort of drip feeding the information yes. uh, and be prepared for it. I'm not, you know, I've been, I originally came for five years. I'm still here. <laughs> so, you know, I, I love the country too much and we're still investing here and I love the people too much. So. Um, but as a foreigner coming here for the first time, this is something you just have to be prepared yeah. for. Okay. There are specific things in other countries that make, you know, our challenges. As long as you're aware of these things and you get the appropriate help, you'll get it sorted. That's it. So yeah. do your so, full research, talk to specialists, um, work with agents. Work and with that's agents. My, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because see, we like paper here. They yeah. like paper stamps. And there's mysteries yeah. to be solved. <laughs> so, I don't yeah. know what the banks do. So, <laughs> all the paper. Where all the paper, you know, and even like little blank sheets have to be in the printout. They're very precise about everything. But once you get into the swing of it and, yes. and you kind of learn to navigate. That's it. Um, and I think a lot of people come here, especially from the US or the UK, and they have their busy lives and they say they're moving here because they want to change the pace. Um but then equally, then, you know, you come across a different pace because, you know, here it's not uncommon for you to wait for three days to get a response to an email. And and I know it's, trust me, like it's one of the things that I put on our like service level with my team. I find it like, you know, no way people can always and things like that. But the easier you accept certain things that you are in a different speed, yeah. um, the you know, it all becomes a little bit. Uh, it's not That's that it's such not a good point. It, it's yeah. more, it just it, it kind of it, you manage to balance your level yeah. of anxiety because I guess you know I don't know in the UK or in the US to change your driver's license you submit things online and and it suddenly yeah. just materializes and and it's not not always works the same way here. And but then once you accept all that, that, I think it makes it a little bit easier. I, I think yeah. so. it reminds me of a sign that I saw in a very, um, very quainty bar in uh, Thailand. And they said, uh, if your expectations are too high, just lower your expectations. <laughs> but it was great because they only saw two cocktails there and, and, and they had like two chairs. And, uh, really yeah, I'm not sure that I buy into that <laughs> because that goes against a yeah. little bit of everything that I believe. Right? And that's also what I wanted to say. I mean, I think here... Let me just say that what I've seen in the 20 years I've been here, and that's why, you know, it's interesting to have this 22-year uh, view as well. Things have advanced so much, mm -hmm. okay? Um, Portugal has really engaged in, um, you know, digitalizing a lot of things yeah. and, you know, make, uh, uh, they call it simplex. You know, it's it's a different word. You know, I know it has different terms, but here... Uh, it was the word that they used to simplify, okay. simplify procedures. So the I'll say it again: the Portuguese government engaged in, um, um, you know, over many years, simplifying uh, bureaucratic procedures yes. 
and digitizing procedures. So that, you know, is it's an ongoing thing and things, you know, I always have to compare sort of five-year samples, you know, and things are getting better. Um, and uh, what you will find is, again, this culture of the email responses, what I find is people want to reply when they have all the answers. In England or in the UK or America, in the US, uh, people get back immediately, I'll look into it, yeah. right? Within seconds. But some of the answers might still take some time. That's such to, a to, good point. It That's is. true. It yes. is. Yeah. So you don't get that immediate response. You know, people find it ridiculous here to say, why should I just come back and say, you know, thank you? Or, <laughs> yeah. exactly. yeah. you know, um, they want to have all the answers. And so this difference in cultural ex yeah. expectations, I would say. That's very good. And I, I would say, I mean, you know, um, in any country, you might find people who are um, not working well. But here, people are very hardworking in, in general, they really want to, you know, do the best to, to enable yeah. you to have a good time. And personalizing um, the issue helps people, mm -hmm. you know. So that's why I always say, don't just write emails or write WhatsApps because we're in a generation now, everything is just online. Yeah. Try to meet people in order to get your things done yeah. because the culture here is very much about face-to-face, -face, you know. And uh, I think this might be a shock for the very younger generation that likes to send just emails and WhatsApps to resolve things. Yeah. But actually, I think um, because the culture here has a lot to do with, um, yeah, you know, family comes first, actually. Yes. I would say above many other things. Uh, people are very connected to their, um, um, you know, aunts and uncles and primos and primos, you know, uh, cousins and uh, grandparents. So that social... Um, uh, engagement is still very important, I think, for people. Definitely. Uh, so because that's another tip. Ooh. That's another tip for for anyone who's, um, you know, thinking of moving here. Um, try to meet the people you're doing business with, yeah. or that you're trying to, you know, sort things out. It, it helps. Uh, Chitra, what? Um, so tell me everything that you said. You know, in terms of service and so on. It, it stems from um, your background in the hotel industry. And I do, um, I went to the fam, to Martignal and Sagres. I actually spent Christmas there, um, and I think two years ago. It was in the middle of a pandemic. And, um, but we were not on lockdown, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah it wasn't on lockdown yeah, at the time, and, yeah. But I did, I did have a great time and I had never been to um, a family, uh, fully catered uh, environment that, I felt comfortable together with my child, that I was, someone thought of my needs as well. It wasn't only about the kids. The kid was very happy. Everything was nice and sleek, but I also had like a really good restaurant around the corner, cocktail bars. And so how, how do you think this um, Portugal brought uh, the, the, your family hotel concept to life? Was there so, something yes, in the culture that absolutely. was good? Absolutely. So, I mean, we started having kids in Portugal because we felt that it was much nicer to have, you know, start having our family here. Yeah, you know, things are easier here. You know, children, you can take your children most places. Uh, but what was difficult was to go on holiday with your children. Uh, I'm not saying particularly uh, just in Portugal, but, you know, we realized that, you know, having had kids later, you couldn't go to your favorite, you know, hotels anymore uh, with your children. I'm actually not a hotelier uh, by full background. I'm an electronic engineer, chartered accountant, MBA prior to coming to Portugal. Wow, but, okay. Um, 
sort of, you know, and strategic thinking, uh, you know, for a business, we saw a gap uh, once we started having children. So a gap in the market to actually um, uh, do a hotel uh, uh, brand that looks after children, but uh, moving away from the club concept with mass experiences uh, that gives parents sophisticated time, um, uh, you know, and uh, food and, you know, enjoyment as well. So focusing on the different members of the family. Now, the Portugal-specific thing, of course, you know, finding um, uh, uh, people who work in the hotel industry. Um, when we started, I mean, now there's a lot of challenges because Portugal has an aging, declining population. And uh, uh, over the last 22 years, Portugal definitely uh, moved up in uh, tertiary education levels, you know, so the economic conundrum that you face when you have a more educated society, um, you know, what happens, uh, uh, you know, for sort of, you know, labor needs. Um, but at that time, there were, uh, when we opened the hotel, it was 2010, actually, so just one year before your census. Um, it's all mine, it's from Seth. Yes, yeah, so from <laughs> Seth, Seth census, from the census you referred to. <laughs> um, you know, we had uh, well-educated, because Portuguese government had actually focused on um, people going into hotel schools. They started more hotel schools in Portugal because they wanted to be ready for the growth of hotels. They'd been investing in um, hotels, you know, yeah. attracting investors, start new hotels, opening hotels, five-star hotels. They wanted to move their industry just from the old world of Bensoish and um, Albedrias into high-end, high-quality hotels. And, um, I mean, it was amazing because I got to know about the Bent, uh, the uh, National Strategic Plan for Tourism uh, Strategy. So, uh, Plano Estratégica Nacional de Turismo, PENT. And as part of that, they they really focused on investing in hotel schools and preparing kids to join hotels. So we found, we started working with the hotel schools and we found um, good people to work in the industry who were family-oriented as well. Now, the only difference was we, as the Martignal brand, had to really focus on getting some of the formality out and Get, helping night. people, yeah. helping staff think about uh, uh, being more empathetic, putting themselves in the shoes of uh, families. And, you know, I, I have a motto, which is helping the mother have her cappuccino with a foam still on it. Okay, that's a right? good one. Yeah, <laughs> And that's the motto. And then a million things around that, you know, have to happen to enable her mm-hmm. to have that cappuccino with a foam still on it. It has to do with the kids' corners. It has to do with the empathy of the staff looking at you, realizing that, you know, the child is, is not having a good time and coming to say, well, is everything all right? Can I help you? And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We have baby concierge service to make the travel more um, uh, smooth for the mother, father too. But, you know, I focus yeah, yeah, on the mother course, because yeah. mothers are more anxious in general, I think. Um, and, and um, yeah, including the menu, you know, not just having the typical burgers, pizzas and spaghetti bolognese, but to also have freshly pureed food for different age groups. So a lot of what we put into the brand was actually empathy, I would say. And, um, you know, uh, in Portugal, you know, it's been fantastic actually opening um, hotels. We, we opened five hotels, actually. Um, uh, one of them we actually sold uh, last year. Um, it was an offer we couldn't refuse. And, you know, um, uh, we now have four. But... I would say we have found some amazing um, people 
in Portugal, well-trained um, uh, to be with us in the brand. Right now, our team is getting, I've always believed in diversity. So we always had that push to have, you know, uh, you know, Germans, uh, French, you know, diversity is, is a strength, you know, strengthens the team in yeah. order to, you know, um, uh, provide a, excellent five-star quality service to different nationalities. So, you know, Brazilians and Indians. And But now, right now, with the challenges we have, aging, declining population, more educated in engineering and, you know, other fields, that means we as a society need more immigration across different, um, um, uh, you know, uh, age brackets, age brackets uh, and technical skills and, and so on. And right now, I would say, um, you know, uh, as uh, uh, the president, the camera, Mia Carlos Moedas said at our opening, at our inauguration ceremony, they're all Lisboetas. You know, whatever nationalities they are, this is a question for Seth and, you know, border, <laughs> you know, the borders to sort out. But they're all Lisbonites who are working in the industry, yeah. uh, in, in, the, in the hotel industry. So long answer, but, you know, all these things, I think, um, really have helped us um, uh, make Portugal a good destination for Martinelle. But one more thing, which we have not mentioned at all throughout this whole um, talk, the safety and security in Portugal. Oh, definitely. Which I think is a super interesting yeah. and important point yeah. um, um, for f raising families yeah. or to have a family-friendly hotel mm -hmm. uh, or even four. You know? um, um, Portugal is one of the safest places I know in the world. And um, it also has to do with um, a sort of neighborhood watch approach. You know, people are concerned if they see someone in trouble, they're there to help yeah. people. And, you know, they I don't just ignore. the local CCTV. Um, literally, if you just come home and park the car, all the old ladies will open the window. Yeah. <laughs> who's coming home, yeah. right? Yeah. Who's, who's coming home, yeah. <laughs> so I think this is, this is one of the safest societies um, and uh, long may it last. Um, and I think... Um, this is one of the important draws mm -hmm. um, for the foreigners who are moving to Portugal uh, from Brazil, from America, you know, many other places in the world. Definitely. Security is a high point here. And, you know, kids can, can walk home uh, or, you know, yeah, uh, the free public transport they have, home. Yeah. They have freedom here. Um, and I think this uh, makes it an amazing place uh, for families to come and settle down. Yeah. Is that also something that you see uh, from your clients when they come to Global Citizen Solutions? They um, uh, want the security absolutely. that Portugal can offer. The industry that we are in, it's it, and it's it's fairly impressive. It's quite it's an immediate like the needle moves so quickly. We kind of not thrive, but it's something that start people actively seek alternatives in terms of residency or nationality as a backup plan when things are not going so well domestically. So if there's a mass shooting in a school in the U.S., it's kind of overnight. We see it again because, you know, if people have been thinking about it and something like this happens, just makes you question everything again. So, yes. So it's the same thing. Yeah. People will definitely uh, safety, um security, stable politics and everything else plays a huge, you know, um, part on, on the decision-making of families or of all. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, also to, to come on holiday, I mean, you know, 
Um, I know we have the little sort of tram 28, beware of the pickpockets. Obviously, we all have to be careful yeah, 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 <laughs> not yeah. to get pickpocketed in, in uh, you know, crowded places. Um, but I think uh, it's wonderful to come on holiday here. I mean, yesterday I was even uh, in the Algarve um, on business, you know, for one night uh, with my husband. And I lived in the Algarve for 15 years um, and, and now uh, nearly eight years uh, in Lisbon. But in the Lisbon area, and um, it's it's wonderful. I mean, you know, you can't beat it for a holiday, and you can't beat it to to actually as a place to live. You know, uh, it's the combination of things you have, yeah. and um, uh, it's wonderful. So, healthcare, schools, um, English, well spoken everywhere. Even at public services, you call, and then you have the option to speak uh, with someone in English, which I find amazing. We talk about business, it's a business environment, it's right for uh, startups, for companies. So we're talking for fam about families, but some of those parents might want to start a business here. Um, we talk about the tech environment as well, which is thriving. We talk about uh, urban uh, revitalization of some areas here. Um, I think we covered everything that I had on my script and Chicha bought the security, which is great. Um, now, one more thing to well, say about the security. Sorry, just yeah, if you can. Go on. You know, uh, Portugal, uh, part of why Portugal is, is such a safe uh, place is actually it's quite high on the global peace index. Yeah. Um, and that has to do with the society, how they view, yeah. you know, um, uh, things. And when it even when it comes to sort of um, demonstrations, which have to happen in democracy, especially when things are not going um, well. Um, you know, they're peaceful demonstrations. Be peaceful, that's you true. Know? So I think, yeah. you know, there's two aspects, you know, the safety and security, but it, there, there's this point about the, the being high on the global peace index, which says a lot about Portuguese society. Yeah. So I think it's an important yeah. thing to, to bring up. I'll bring up something very anecdotal that I saw yesterday on the Facebook group. Um, it's of um, um, foreign moms in, in Lisbon. And then it was a post from um, an American mother, very worried about um, secondhand smoke in Portugal. Secondhand smoke, smoke in Portugal. Uh, I don't how, even know. Uh, yes, it's, 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 so when, when you're smoking, uh, yeah, yeah, go on. When someone's smoking and you're inhaling it, that's secondhand smoke. You're not smoking. And the amount of American parents that went underneath her post to say, I'm much more worried about secondhand bullets. <laughs> 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 and no. they were all like security is amazing and um obviously there was um a bit of a it's europe right so these smoke a lot in france yes. there's a lot in italy yes. in spain in portugal and but there are laws being implemented so that people are not uh, smoking in uh esplanadas which is like the outdoor verandas here with, with covered uh tops um, but yeah, there will be a bit more smoke here, but you can always walk away. <laughs> but I think it would be good for our viewers to have like a checklist of things that you, topics that you think, um, someone that is now researching, thinking I'm moving to Portugal or I will invest in Portugal because I might move there at some point in my life, or I just want to go more often to that country. Which are the topics that they need to start researching now? So, I mean, from my perspective, it depends on what age you are, whether you're coming here as a family or just as a couple or in individually, whether you're a digital nomad or whether you're starting a business. Yeah. So the checklist differs. But I, I would say 
um, um, certainly, um, you know, for, for generally, if you're going to uh, buy a property, um, visit first to see whether, you know, check out the different areas uh, because I think it's important that you're happy in the place you choose to buy a property and the place you're going to be living. Um, and as a family, uh, I think the school is, is a pretty international school. school. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are great often. public schools, of course, but if your children have already been raised in an English-speaking environment, to plug into the Portuguese system just like that, if uh, you know, it's possible up to a certain age. But you know, for the older children, uh, you'll you'll need to take them to an international school. So check out the international schools. You know, uh, uh, meet the teachers. Check out the group behind um, the, the school as well. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, try to really, I would say, you know, you're going to find a good lawyer to, to make the transaction, obviously, but do try to, um, if you don't have that help already from the real estate agent or, um, you know, your, your lawyer, um, a relocation agent, because make things easier for yourself to move your things, you know, because, um, some of the hassles of moving, um, can be saved yes. if, you know, um, you know, we try to help all our buyers um, uh, as Martignal. Um, you know, we have a great team and we have concierge services. But, um, you know, I would say um, it should be hassle-free because it's possible yeah. uh, to be hassle-free. And, and look into, I mean, you know, how are you going to get around? Transport or car? Do you need to own a car? Um, because, you know, in, from moving from America, you might think that you'd need a car for everything. It's not the case in uh, certain parts. I mean, certainly in Lisbon, yeah. public transport is is fantastic. Um, you've got, uh, okay, I mean, there's definitely room for improvement, more lines, you know, in the metro, but they're working on it. Um, Uber is extremely easy and cheap uh, to use here compared to London, for example. Um, you know, getting from, you know, practice Nassauj to even... The Miradoro of uh, Nossa Senhora uh, of uh, the, the Monte, uh. Nossa Senhora de Monte, um, you know, six, seven euros if there's no traffic, you know. This is so, I think um, these are the, the, the things that, you know, you might, it, that are very different here compared to the US. Good food is widely available, you know, um, uh, and you have, of course, you have more expensive restaurants, but you also have very accessible restaurants here with high quality uh, food, which is quite different to the US, um, I think, you know, yeah. access to food. These are my mm -hmm. sort of checklists. That so it was um, the location, the school, uh, transport, um, but that's kind of also links to location. How about you, Patricia? Visa is very important, like so number one. Yeah, the, in the preparation, yeah. but there's always a visa uh, or a way if people are willing to, to move to Portugal or even uh, other places in Europe. Um, another big consideration um, is taxes. Obviously, if Americans, taxes, for, in yeah. for instance, they are always going to, will always have to pay federal taxes. But there are things that you can do uh, when planning your, you know, state exit tax. There's things that you can do to to facilitate that. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, uh, come I mean, over if you come can. Over and exactly. I mean, yeah. I think it's the main thing. thing. Yeah, because um, I think a place is also a feeling. Um, you I know, totally agree. You can find the most beautiful house, but. And it might be a perfectly, you know, nice neighborhood for me, but it, it may not be for you because your 
point of reference is, is different. I don't know, yeah. like, so obviously uh, during COVID, we, we helped a lot of clients and we did the best that we could with technology and videos and, and yep, you know, and doing walkabouts uh, for clients. And we always brutally honest in situations, clients being here or not, we're always going to say the good, the bad and, and, and the ugly because um, most of our clients will be in a relationship with them for, you know, five, six, seven years. So for us, it's really important uh, that they feel happy and confident their purchase. So even, you know, with a rental, because if you're committing yeah. to a lease or, or whatever. Um, but yes, if at some point they, they can come over, it, it makes it all a little bit uh, easier. Yeah, of course. Um, and just to clarify one one thing about the, the Golden Visa, um, it's ended, yes, in its current format. But if someone wants to buy a property and move here, you can. Okay. okay. It's not like some countries where you, you as a foreigner can't buy. Yeah. Uh, a property and move to the country, because that that has to be clarified. And in, in in certain countries, you can't do that. Yeah. Whereas in Portugal, uh, as a foreigner, you can buy a property and move in, and then you organize your resident permit. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, which is uh, a possibility. The golden visa was just different. Yes, you you didn't need to come and live here. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think this is something uh, you know that. Uh, um, yeah, it would be important yeah. to to transmit to highlight. That's true. Um, yeah, if the desire is to move to Portugal, there there's a range of uh, visas. Um, and uh, yeah, and as you said, you mentioned digital nomads. That is also the D7 visa. It's all that uh, Patricia can speak way better than me. But we have to do another podcast episode just for that. I want to also add language classes because I think it you can get a head start if you use learn a bit of Portuguese uh, before you move here or even before your visit, uh, even though everyone will switch and speak to English to you because they want to practice. I think it's very nice to be able to speak a few words of Portuguese. I mean, I, what is interesting, having French helped me a lot, uh, learning Portuguese, yeah. obviously. Um, and uh, people are so encouraging. I mean, all I had to say initially was, Bom dia, como está? Ah, senhora já fala muito bem português. And they're very, you know, <laughs> people are immediately, you know, um, um, encouraging you. The only problem you have is because so many people speak English, uh, good English, you know, your, your Portuguese, I always feel my Portuguese is not as good as uh, the, the English spoken by Portuguese. So I always say, okay, let's just speak in English. But, you know, uh, uh, it, it's, it's wonderful for people who are uh, prepared, yeah. I think. You can really... Uh, uh, yeah. you know, have the encouragement from Portuguese mm -hmm. people to speak in Portuguese. Yeah. Great. I'd also say to join Facebook groups. And I've seen how it helps a lot when you're doing your search. You're still not sure about where to go, which school, which area. And then you connect to people that have already done that and they're there. And then you can check all the information that you get from your agents. Yeah, but I also, uh, another thing that, and we've seen some clients that do that very successfully is, um, yeah, I don't know, if you're like an accountant in the U.S., try to connect with the local body here and then you might get to, you know, network with people in the same position. And even if your intention is not to, you're just coming to retire or whatever, um, it, it, it's good because you're you kind of opening. Because obviously for families, it's a bit of a no-brainer because the school is a community. It's a huge parent community group in our school too, you know. You it's get to very meet a lot important. Of people. And, yeah. It makes life a lot easier to connect and meet 
new families and and but if you're not coming for that then it's, you but need to are, seek those types of connections and i think know? there are clubs here as well i'm also on the board of the american club of lisbon um you know and uh it's it's but uh, also part of the american club yes yeah. so yeah. you know i think being a member uh you know you get to do lots of different kinds of networking yeah. events uh, and you uh, are able to meet so many other people and the membership yeah. has grown a lot uh, not just with Americans but you know people from um, other nationalities and Portuguese people too so um, seek out the different clubs you know each um, there's the Dutch Chamber of Commerce there's other chambers of commerce that where you can really um, uh, meet other people you know go to their events the Irish business um, uh, community as well work, yes yeah. business network yeah. Um, uh, I would say, you yeah, know, the multitude of opportunities to network and get to know other people. Wow, amazing! Thank you. That was great. So, and I hope all of you got a very good um, understanding of uh, Portugal for families. And if they need to speak to anyone, uh, any of our guests here, they're available. Um, and you will see on the comments there. We will put the contact uh, details for um, your respective companies and uh, and that's it thank you very much i hope you enjoyed it and i'll see you next time